I feel like first you brought up a good point to start. This isn't really follow up, but it's timely and we should definitely start with it that as we're recording this on Wednesday, it is Veterans Day. Obviously, by the time you're listening to it, it is not going to be Veterans Day anymore, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still probably thank a veteran if you know one. Jess, do you have any <clears throat> veterans in your immediate family? I do. Um, my uncle and, well, immediate and grandparents. Uh, so we just wanted to say, like, really extend a very warm thank you to, you know, veterans themselves and their families that have done so much and sacrificed so much for our country today. Yes. In our family, we have a long history. My my dad's retired from the Michigan National Guard. My grandpa flew P-2 spy planes in World War II and went on to be a two-star general. Now I have a cousin who is a fighter pilot. I think he yeah, he's he literally lives in North Pole, Alaska. And his dad is a his dad was a fighter pilot who flew F sixteens. True story, he was one of the pilots who flew um F sixteens out of Selfridge Air Force Base in which is north of Detroit on nine eleven, patrolling the skies. So yeah, if you've seen the movie Flight ninety three, is that what it was called? The I think, yeah. The movie, I feel terrible if I got that wrong. Um, but there's a scene where they are scrambling the fighters, fighter jets to fly patrol over the different areas of the country. And so he was one of the people who who did that. So uh, My uncle, uh, so my dad's brother, was a Air Force pilot, traveled the world and served extensively. And then he turned into a Boeing pilot. And he has recently retired and could not handle re- retirement, just doing nothing. So now he works at Target part-time for like $12 okay. an hour. <laughs> nice. Yes. Yeah. My uncle also flew for America in the same same one. So, But when, when my cousin was a kid, he could literally identify any airplane just by looking up in the sky and, and seeing it. And so it was pretty much a no-brainer. He would go on to be a fighter pilot. And so he is an Air Force fighter pilot. So... Other fun story, I don't think my dad will appreciate this, but my dad, before he was in the Army, he was a Marine, and he was stationed at Camp David, which is the presidential retreat, and the Marines basically guard the, it's a naval base, right, So or a naval installation, I don't know the technical term, but the Marines provide security for it when the president is not there. When the president is there, the Secret Service obviously provides security, but they still live there you know he's still stationed there and on i think it would have been thanksgiving uh president gerald ford showed up maybe maybe not they weren't expecting it but anyway my dad has a picture shaking hands with gerald ford in what looks very much like he's standing there in his underwear now he's not actually in his underwear (laughs) we joke because he's just wearing a t-shirt and a pair of shorts um, and that, you know, if you're going to have your picture taken with the president of the United States, is that, is that really the outfit that you wanted to be wearing? But I don't know. You're just giving anyway. me a Forrest Gump, a uh, Forrest Gump uh, <laughs> memory. <laughs> but you know, there you go. But it's still pretty cool. He has that picture is framed in their house. And then he has these two, um, Christmas cards that are framed on the wall that were sent to him by president Ford. So that's pretty cool. So 
anyway, happy Veterans Day in a time machine. If you could go back to yesterday, which is today when we're recording this. The other time machine thing we probably should address is, I don't know how it's possible that we did not have a conversation last week about Halloween candy. So I'm curious, have you finished all the Halloween candy for your at your house? Um, well, my kids um, this year, they, they trick-or-treated with their dad. Uh, so we you know we always have candy here. I mean, the, the top shelf of our pantry is all a lot of M and M's and different candy. But I have a surprise for you, and I think it's still timely to talk about candy because it's the holiday season. Sure, you know, good point. People are into candy. It's not just Halloween. But I went to well, first of all, one thing I told you about these. We've tried a new M and M, and you know we have the rule in our house: if you see an M and M that you haven't tried before, even if you think you're not gonna like it, you have to at least buy it and try it. So we tried the sugar cookie M&M. And I am usually not a big fan of white chocolate on M&Ms, but I liked them. I would eat them again. So it was a sugar cookie and it had white chocolate is what you're saying? Yeah. So like the inside tasted like a sugar cookie. The outside was a white chocolate shell. Okay. Interesting. And, okay, I had to go to Walgreens today. And when I'm checking out, I always am like scanning if there's something new. I found these and I got them. For Marcus, really, because I'm not probably not gonna get him. I'm sorry for the noise. They, they are mystery shaped. Yeah, I saw stuff. those. Yeah, they. So I, but Reese's we, peanut we butter cups that are mystery are. shaped. Okay. So yeah, wait, so is but every? Apparently, it, there's three mystery shapes in here, but that doesn't tell you, like, because we were trying to feel and see around, like, what it was without opening it. I have no idea. So that's something we'll have to come back to hopefully next week, and then we can tell you what the mystery shapes are, or that might not be. A good thing to do because maybe you need to find out for yourself. No, I have a good solution. You just need to open them all right now. <laughs> well, just I'm just kidding. Eat them. And all. I'll be That's in a sugar I'm... high by the end of the podcast, that and would... I just hear me chewing. That would have been my solution. It's like I'm sorry, guys. We got to figure out what these are. We have to open them all right now. I will say the most disappointing thing is so our children trick or treated with my so my my brother and his wife have two children my niece and nephew and and they don't live very far from here but they have a they live in a neighborhood that has that goes all out for halloween and a lot of young families and this year you know you just walk down the street and everybody has their candy out on the table and you just walk up and you take it but so i guess i can't actually blame all of this on on my on the people who are passing out the candy i guess some of it's on my children but the the amount of candy so a lot of these people were giving out like full candy bars right but I just happened to notice today because I was looking in one of the containers that my wife has put all the candy in that I bet you there's at least like a, a half dozen Three Musketeer bars. And I don't understand, like, is there anyone in the world whose favorite candy bar is a Three Musketeers? Like, that just doesn't seem right. I think you should tweet at us if it yeah. is because, I, I mean, I actually I like them. But I won't. I don't go seek one out. No, if you're in a movie theater and you're going to pay seven dollars for a piece of candy, it would not be a Three Musketeers. No, it would not. It it would I'm be not, something else. Yeah, I I am more into to be honest. Uh, I hate when people say to be honest because that implies that other times. Otherwise, otherwise you're just going to lie to us. Okay. <laughs> right. So so I should assume any other time you're talking to me, you're not being honest. If you're saying if you're prefacing your statement with to be honest, but uh, in reality. In other words, I like fruity candies more. Like, I'm huge on Laffy Taffy, like, nerds. I like uh, Skittles, um, all that, all that stuff. My my son and I are more that way, and my um, my 
daughter and my fiance are more into the chocolatey stuff. Yeah, the, the, all of that, like Skittles, Starburst, I, they all are great, but they all make my teeth hurt a lot. Oh, I, yeah, I, I feel that to too. As I get teeth. older, I'm like, did I just get an automatic cavity from eating this? Right. <laughs> that makes me, I just have to go brush my teeth afterwards. So I guess that's good, but it just, I can't handle it. So I, I'm obviously a Reese's. My kids actually are our youngest as he was walking down the street and he'd pick up a, a Reese's peanut butter cup or something like that. He'd say, dad, I got this for you. Cause they know yeah. that that's well, what I've always favorite. been a fan. I mean, I have a child named Reese. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so I was wondering before we move on to, you know, things like technology, what were your kids for Halloween? <laughs> Very creative this year. They all were basically nothing. They just had pumpkin shirts because <laughs> they did. They just, my wife made them, shirts that look like jack-o'-lanterns and that's basically what they wore not basically that is what they wore and there's a couple reasons one we weren't entirely convinced that there was going to be trick-or-treating until we decided to go which was like the day before two the only other reason that they ever need a costume is for the halloween party at school and our children don't go i mean they're in school but they don't go to school so they didn't need to dress up although our son might have dressed up as harry potter for his class i can't remember to be honest with you i'm a little bit out of touch with all of the costume thing that's not my department <laughs> okay my uh well my daughter my kids are into stranger things uh, so last year my daughter was 11 and this year she was robin the girl who works at the ice cream place and my son is almost 13 he'll be 13 next month so he was kind of on the cusp but he wore this like giant um dinosaur inflatable type costume so he was like towering all over these other kids and it looked like his stepmom sent me a video it looked like he was like racing down the street like it looked like a tipsy adult racing down the street pulling trolling for candy i watched it so many times until i could stop laughing it was nice. and plus his like head was swaying back and forth and like a real t-rex it was pretty awesome uh the best thing i thought about trick about halloween and i know again this is this is old news at this point, but was a lot of the houses, the people would stand on the porch and they had taken like PVC pipe, run it down the, the arm, the railing of their steps. And the kids would just walk up and put their bag at the bottom and they'd just drop candy in at the top. So they didn't even have to, like, they didn't even have to touch. Mm. You didn't even have to get close Very to them. They just drop it down the chute. So I think the pandemic has forced people to be creative in a lot of ways. And I, I have made this um, argument. It's not an argument, it's a statement that, I've never seen better advertising or commercials in my life. And I think it's because people are bored. <laughs> and so, and they have to do more to stand out because people are watching probably, you know, usually right more TV right now, I would say. I know I am because I've like run through all of these Apple TV shows. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Apple because they had an event yesterday. Um, yeah, so good I segue, a... Apple TV. <laughs> yeah. Did, so did you watch the event yesterday or have you watched it at all no yeah. i haven't got to watch it yet i followed your tweets you were blowing up the twitter sphere yesterday because i actually have you like i get notifications when you tweet because i try to keep up with what you're tweeting is a way to if i can't watch that day <laughs> um so i was like every 20 seconds i was getting a notification on my watch it's jason ayton jason ayton <laughs> so yep, I, was like, I was keeping a little bit on track because i was reading your tweets yeah, and I read the um the article that you wrote that's not been published yet. So, which will have been published when you're listening to this. So anyway, yes, but but at the time we're recording it, it does not. Yeah, so let's couple things for people who may not have watched it or who have watched it and 
whatever. So yesterday, Tuesday, Tuesday of this week, the 10th, Apple had their third event of the fall, right? The first one they introduced the iPad Air and the Apple Watch, and then they did the iPhone and the HomePod Mini, and now they've done the third one. I almost said final. I'm assuming it's the final one. I don't think we'll see another one. It's. I was listening to a different podcast, and it was almost like they have their own TV show. They just drop one episode a month. <laughs> so who know if we don't get one next month, it'll actually kind of seem strange, but I don't think that they will. And the whole point of this one, which we basically knew ahead of time, was they were announcing their new Apple Silicon chips that turns out they're calling it the M1 chip, which is pretty pretty closely based on the A14 chip that is in the new iPhones, only it's obviously a little bit more powerful. Um, and in addition to introducing that chip, they introduced three new Macs. And so I sent you the article I wrote is primarily about the iPad, I mean, the MacBook Air. That's the one I think I'd like to talk about, but I'll just real briefly, the overview, they did a new MacBook Air, a new MacBook Pro, but it's the lower end version of the 13-inch MacBook Pro. There are really two 13-inch MacBook Pros, and the only way you can tell the difference by looking at them is that one of them has two ports, the other one has four ports. There are other differences in terms of what you can stick inside those two, but the one that got updated is the two-port one. And then they introduced a Mac Mini. So that's kind of a lot for their first their first go at this, right? And and most people most people were not expecting a Mac Mini. We were expecting the two laptops. Most people were not expecting the Mac Mini. So you said you were curious about the Mac Mini. Well, um, I propose we do this maybe a little different since you are, there's no uh, way around it. You're the subject matter expert <laughs> just throw it on, the, on this. And I'm, you know, I'm much more competent than the, the average person on technology. But I, here's my, I have some questions I want to sure. ask. And I want to see if we can do like a little Q&A format from someone who's a potential buyer. I'm probably going to pull the trigger. I think the price point is actually really good for the air. So for the Air, how many USBs does it have? So the MacBook Air, everything that's uh, newer than I think 2018, I believe that's when the Retina ones came out, only has two ports. They are both in the past USB-C. This year they are what they're actually USB four. They look the same. They're Thunderbolt. They everything you have that's a USB three, USB Type C, which is uh, this little little one right there everything looks like that will work in it just fine so it only has two however and i was having a conversation with my old when i say old my previous editor um at ink saying i should buy one right and i said yes but if you do i recommend you get a like a, a port uh, an adapter mm -hmm. port so so you can plug more into them yeah right okay i lost mine can't find it i need to order one because when I have this microphone plugged in, I can't. Does it have an HDMI? No. So here's, I'll tell everybody, and I'll link to this in the in the show notes. I highly recommend, I actually think this was a Kickstarter at one time, but I highly recommend, it's this, it's called Hyperdrive. And you, you would plug this into the two USB-C type slots on the side. So in this case, it'd be USB 4. And then on the end, you get HDMI. And on the sides, you get 
two more USB type C, two more USB type A, an SD slot and a micro SD slot. So essentially you get back all of the ports that are on the one you have with plus some. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, those are big things for me because you know, right now I have to use this connector thing with an old VGA um, for my big screen. It's like, it's kind of annoying, but I mean, it works fine, but I would rather, I think all modern computers should have an HDMI. Well, so that's a good point. Unless it's going to be Bluetooth. I guess I could get a Bluetooth monitor, but. Yeah, I mean, that's probably not the most reliable or best way to do that. So let's let's back up for a second. Let me just kind of walk through what, what Apple did with the MacBook Air, and then we'll go through your list of questions. Does that work? So Apple is saying basically that the MacBook Air, so the M1 processor in the MacBook Air has eight cores. A core is a unit of processing power. That's a really, really simplistic way of explaining that. So if you're like a silicon engineer, don't send me hate mail. But it has, but four of those cores are what Apple calls high efficiency, which means they run in low power. And this is what you might use for reading your email or replying to an email or typing something on the web or whatever. It doesn't require like a lot of power. It's just an ordinary task. It has four of those. Then it has four high performance cores. And those are things you would use for exporting files from Photoshop or rendering video timelines from Final Cut Pro or iMovie. So it has it has eight in total, four of each. And Apple says that the four low power, the high efficiency cores, those four cores are the same processing power as what's currently in the current gen Mac dual core MacBook Air. Okay, so half of this processor, the 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 less powerful half is as powerful as what came before. On top of that, you have four high powered cores. So Apple is saying that this these new MacBook Airs are three and a half times faster than the laptops they replace. Wow. Think about and like I'm, three yeah. and a half times faster. Not like 30% faster, not 50% faster, not 100% faster, three and a half times faster. I can't imagine how much more productive I'd be when I'm not waiting for things to load or getting having to restart my computer because it's performing poorly. And so that's, um, and I love that it doesn't have a fan. I hate when mine starts acting up and, uh, you know, it sounds like it's ready for liftoff and, you know, it's going to go you know, turn into a drone to deliver an Amazon device. You know, I'm never really sure what's right. going to happen. And then I eventually have to start. I have to restart it and then open up my tabs again, wait for all my documents to load. It's a big time waster for me. So that's one of the like the most beneficial things I'm seeing about it. As far as all like the ports and connections and everything, those are secondary to a really high performing, uh, what would you call it, operating system? Well, the processing. Yeah. So what, what I like, so last week I think it was, you, we were having this conversation about with whether so Apple's M1 chip, their big thing is that it gets better performance per watt. So for the same amount of energy, it can perform more. And the question was going to be, would they use that capability to get the same amount of battery life, but a way power, way more powerful machine, or would they keep the performance roughly the same and just give you a ton more battery life? And I remember you said, well, why not both? Like you should, you should be able to get both. The thought was, well, 
if you get both, you might get like a little bit more of each, a little bit faster and a little bit more battery life. But they legitimately just blew it out of the water. It's three and a half times faster and you get 50% more battery life. So it goes from 12 to 18 hours. Like, yeah, that's the part of it that's insane. Can you? And if you're on your computer for 18 hours straight, then there's a whole other issue to talk about. <laughs> right. But and if you, <laughs> that's a fair point. But if you think about it, what it does is it changes the way you think about your laptop and it makes it more the way you would think about something like your phone or your iPad where you charge it overnight, you get up in the morning, you just use it. You don't ever think about, I mean, sometimes you have to charge your phone if you're on it all the time, but my iPad, I never charge it during the day. I just use it and then it, I don't, and I don't use it plugged into the wall, right? I use it wherever it is that I am. The only time I plug my iPad Pro in is sometimes if I'm watching something for a long period of time so now your laptop you're going to be able to just use it charge it overnight and just use it all day and not even worry about it so i think what what really is kind of ridiculous about what apple just did is they they took their most popular machine which was the macbook air it's by far their most popular mac and they made it three and a half times faster and extended the battery life by 50 percent. and the article that i wrote was was essentially they're just showing off, right? They didn't have to make it that much better because the the things that they were shipping were already good. Like that MacBook Air, you're using one that's five years old and, and I'm sure you'd prefer something faster, but it still gets your job done, right? It, it's still, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. So they they the improvements that they made are not incremental. It's not like, oh, let's just make this a little bit better. They made it ridiculously better and they made it so that the battery lasts forever. Right. I, I think that's yeah. incredible. I'll probably end up wiping this computer and giving it to my son, re- repurposing it as a as a Christmas gift um, or a birthday gift because his birthday is two days after Christmas. And so I usually just, you know, buy all the things and split them up. I say, poor child, but they want for nothing. So True story. So, so... The MacBook Air does have some limitations, and I and, and for that matter, so does the new processor. One of them is that you can only get 16 gigs of RAM because the RAM is actually included on the on the processor chip, and you can't expand it. And but I guess I would say to that, if you're buying a MacBook Air, 16 gigs of RAM for most things is going to be plenty of RAM, and it's going to be plenty of RAM for three three or four years. I, I think sometimes people who review technology. They think about tech in terms of like what the possibilities are. They don't think about it in terms of what people actually do. In your day-to-day job, you're in Google Docs and Gmail, like what, 80%, maybe Trello and Slack 85% of the time. Those four apps, right? Yeah, but I like to play. It's also my personal computer, you know? So maybe if I got a new one, I could make my Air, my personal, my work computer, this one, and I can make the other one my play computer because there's so many things I like to do on it besides... Because we don't get work like computers right. through our work, so. right? But like, what? So when you say you want to play on it, what is it that what what like play video games or? Yeah, sometimes like I want to. I've downloaded The Sims for five dollars, <laughs> and I had to download this, um, you know, huge uh, EA, um, you know, um, Electronic Arts uh, thing to play it. And when I was doing the clean my Mac, I realized how much space it actually took up. So sometimes I want to play games. Sometimes. I want to have 18 million things open or I want to try out a new app, you know, and right now I can't really do that because I don't have enough 
storage on my computer. Yeah. And I don't know anything about video games. I mean, we have a Apple TV and you can play Apple arcade games and our kids play Minecraft on our iPads. We don't have any video game systems. So I, I'm not like the best expert on that, but I will say this because it is relevant to what you just said. The other piece of the M1 chip is the graphics processor, which is, I don't remember the specific specs. I'll have to look here in a second, but Apple is essentially saying that the the graphics performance on these is, oh, I found it six times faster than what came before. So it's comparing it to integrated graphics. So when you buy a laptop like a MacBook Air, it doesn't have a separate graphics card. It's using an integrated graphics card. And so obviously if you're playing some huge video game, destiny or world of warcraft or something like that having a dedicated machine or a, gra a dedicated graphics card is best but if what you're doing is like you're describing i just want to be able to play some stuff once in a while uh, yeah this is going to do that for you right well i mean right now i have open i have brave my browser slack iMessages, zoom QuickTime, and that kind of that almost maxes me out like i'll start to slow down if i added anything else right now right so and that's not enough any <laughs> well and one of the things i have i can't remember but when you look at the bat when you look at the battery life this this just tells you the world the state of the world that we live in right now but when you look at apple's specs on these devices when they talk about battery life they actually break it down by three three different things they break it down by the amount of time you can use it for wireless web and the amount of time you can use it for um, like video playback. But then it, during the keynote, they also talked about, I think it was twice or three, I can't remember the exact amount, but the improvement over digital video <laughs> conferencing on the battery, like they're basically saying it's this much, you'll, the battery in this thing will last, you know, three times longer on Zoom meetings because that they realized that's what people are doing nowadays. That's the primary right. thing that people spend a lot of their time doing. Because everyone wants more time on Zoom. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but the last thing that you want is to be on Zoom somewhere and realize you ha didn't have your device plugged in and all of a sudden right. it's dead. <laughs> I keep mine plugged in most of the time, um, so I'm not sure. I, you know, I could test it and see how long it would actually last if I didn't plug it in. But sometimes I'll take it to a different room or something. But whenever I take a break, like I go take a shower, or go for a walk or whatever, I'll plug it back in just because I know that it's not going to last all day. Right. And I think, I mean, that makes sense that a lot of most people right now are not traveling a lot. Most people are not taking their device and working different places. That, that's totally understandable. But I do think that the you're not going to buy this computer only for how it's going to help you today, right? You sh a Mac is going to last you enough time that all of that's going to matter in a year or two years or three years, and you'll still be using the same device. So knowing hey, I could I could go to the library, I could work, and if I can't find a plug, so what? Right? right. Or I could get I on know. an airplane and, oh, shoot, I only have 30% battery life. It's still going to last me six hours. Right. I remember, you know, when I when I was a uh, traveling in sales a lot, that was a big thing for me. I always had to make sure that I 
pack a cord with me because the last thing you want to do is be in a big sales presentation, get all hooked up, and then your computer dies and you you know someone else doesn't have a, a charger for you and you lost that deal <laughs> pretty much. You're right. not prepared enough to give a presentation. Why would you earn their business? Right. Yeah, and I, I think I think that like I said, the I think the holy grail of a especially a laptop is can what is the most powerful device you can get in the lightest form factor with the longest battery life and that's i mean that's there's a trade-off there right you can make the thing a tank and stick as much battery in there as you want but nobody wants to carry that around at the same time you can make it super lightweight super you know thin but you're either going to sacrifice then on the battery or on the power Right. But what Apple seems to have done is take the MacBook Air, which is sort of the uh, Ultrabook by which all other Ultrabooks have been measured because it literally invented that category and made it the most powerful and the longest lasting battery of that category. What's interesting, though, is, you know, they also upgraded the MacBook Pro, but it now has the same exact processor as a MacBook Air, the same exact RAM capabilities, the same exact storage options. And the only difference now is you get way better battery life than you did before. You get up to, I think, 20 hours of battery life on the new MacBook Pro, which is just insane. And um, it still has a touch bar, which I despise the touch bar. But what I the reason I bring it up is I can't... Did you say the touch bar, are you talking about? Yeah, you, you don't have a touch bar. The, the MacBook Pros have this really stupid top row as a touch bar, so you, you actually touch that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's dumb. I hate it. There's no purpose. It crashes sometimes. There's Your keyboard should never crash, especially when it's something that like controls the volume. Can you imagine like you can't turn the volume down because the touch bar has crashed, and there's no other button on that thing that turns the volume down. So anyway... Um, so and that's that, 18 hours versus 20 hours, which is not, it's not that not much, but difference. it is right. But it's, but if you think about it, it, the MacBook pro, the 13 inch MacBook pro that they just updated, it still only has the two ports. It does have a slightly brighter display, whatever, I guess if you're working outside in the park, that matters, but it's November. Most of us are not working outside of the park. Also, most of us are allergic to the outdoors right now. I don't usually keep my screen as bright as possible anyway right. on my air. So, But the thing that's interesting to me is anyone who buys a MacBook Air right now, they're not going to regret that decision. They're going to be buying the best MacBook Air they've ever gotten. If you buy a MacBook Pro, I think you'll probably regret it sometime next year when they update the higher end MacBook Pros. And you're going to be like, I wish I wouldn't have spent the 1300 bucks. I wish I spent 1700 bucks now and got the M1X or whatever they put you know, in the higher end devices. So I, I think most people should just ignore the fact that the MacBook Pro exists. Uh, I honestly can't think, unless you, for some reason, really need the ports or you really like the touch bar, I can't think of a reason why you would buy it. Right, right. Okay. And we would say the MacBook Air is running at what, $9.99? Yeah, so it starts at $9.99. There are two different versions. The The base model starts at 999 the only difference between the two versions so you can upgrade the ram you can upgrade the storage it starts at 256 256 gigabytes that's great i would always think that you should buy the most amount of storage you can afford because you can't upgrade it later and you might as well just get it in there so you can get it with like 256 512 one terabyte and i think two terabytes 
Um, I think that that's true. I'm checking right now just to make sure. Yeah, so that's all of what I just said is true. Or 8 gigs or 16 gigs of memory. The 999 version, the only difference is it only has 7 GPU cores instead of 8 GPU cores. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, for 99.9% .9 of the things that you're going to do on a MacBook Air, you'll never know the difference. Like that doesn't, that's, that'll be insignificant. Again, if you're, if you're editing and exporting 4K video, maybe, but for most people, like if, and if you're editing and exporting lots of 4K video, they do say that the MacBook Air can do that and it does it without a fan, which is pretty much incredible. But like, if that's your bread and butter, you're not buying a new machine on a new architecture right now you're using the iMac you already have right like you're, you're not in the market for this so just buy the seven core one it's 9.99 okay i'm gonna start start looking and you know look at that life hack that you shared with me <laughs> yeah there you go we won't talk about that publicly but yes <laughs> that's a good life well, hack. let's, let's go talk ahead. about the mac mini this is there's never been a mini before do you think well right? no that's not true they've had the mac mini for a while but what they did with the Mac Mini is... I've never heard of it, so it's obviously not something that is like a, a star product then. <laughs> so, okay. The Mac Mini basically was Steve Jobs's play at... Listen, if you have a PC and you already have a keyboard and you already have a mouse and you already have a monitor, you're probably not in the market for an iMac, right? Which has all of those things built into it. And so here we go. We have this thing that you can buy and you just bring your own devices. That was literally what like the screen said, bring your own keyboard, mouse, and display. B-Y-O-D-K-M. That was what they literally put up on the screen. So it's been around since I think 2005. Okay, I remember now. Okay, yep. so, <laughs> but it's always been sort of, the there's really been two applications for it one you have a display and you just want a mac in the house or two you want to use it as some kind of like a server so people use them to stream music or those types of things the it was it made a lot of sense that they put the m1 in the mac mini but and they even lo lowered the price the interesting thing about the mac mini is it's the only one of those devices that they just upgraded that, that actually got worse in other ways so they reduced the number of ports on it. It used to have four USB type three ports. It now only has two USB type four ports, probably because the M1 chip can only support two, whatever, probably future versions of the M1X or M1Z or whatever will probably change that. Um, but the, the Mac mini is, if you already have a display and all those types of things and you don't need a laptop, I, it really is a great option. Um, I, I, I've never owned a Mac mini. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I need two screens, but I'm sure I could get another external monitor. Um, so you need to, why do you need two screens? Because I like it. Oh, okay. So you like two screens. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm more efficient on two screens. I like, especially if I have like, I'm research, have my research on one screen and I have what I'm actually writing on another screen. Uh, going back and forth. I can manage on one screen. It's not horrible, but for me to be the most productive, I feel like I do better with two screens. Interesting. Because I know what you do for a living. I said that. That sounded weird. Like it's a secret. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing that <laughs> I do for it. Don't a, tell anyone. <laughs> it's the same thing I do for a living. And, you know, uh, go ahead. Sorry. 
You know what? So I meant to bring this up uh, when last week we talked about like steps to becoming a freelance writer, which we totally did off the cuff. Do people, um, since we're both writers, when people ask you what you do, do they, and you tell them that you're a writer, do are they like suddenly in awe? They're like, oh my God, you're a writer. What do you write about? What do you do? Do you have any books? You know, and it's just, it's so like, it's so intriguing to people to know a real life writer. I think that, so I think there are three categories. This is, this would be interesting. I don't know how far down this rabbit hole will go, but I'm fine with it. So if, when I tell people I am, you know, I'm a writer, I think that if you hear that, you, you assume that one of three possibilities is, well, there are three possibilities. Most people don't assume the real possibility. They think, oh, like you're a writer. So you probably wait tables and you're waiting for someone to discover you, right? right? Like you're it's poor. kind of, you're like a starving artist. It's like you're a musician. If you yeah. say you're a musician, I'm a musician. And they're like, okay, so like, what do you really do? But <laughs> yes, no, I feel right. Like or um, they might think that you're like a journalist or something like that, which you know, I don't consider myself a journalist. I'm a columnist, which is slightly different because I don't just write about, I don't report facts. I am supposed to have an opinion about something. So the, the real answer, like when I tell people I'm a writer, they might, they, they don't assume like, Oh, who do you, who do you write for? Do you have a blog? Right. That's what they think. Like, no, I mean, technically, yes, I do. I just don't have time to actually write on it. I think when I tell people, I'll say, you know, I'm a, I'm a tech columnist. I write for Inc. I've had people, they're like, is that like a tattoo magazine? <laughs> right? Like Inc? What is it? People don't know what Inc is. I, I, I've met a couple of people and then I'm like, no, it's a, you know, I'm, it's a fairly well-known magazine. <laughs> and then, I-N-C period. Right. <laughs> it's fairly well-known. Um, and then when I tell people, well, you know, I write for Business Insider, more people I mean, but I think Inc. They don't automatically think INC. They might think INK, and then they're like, "What might? What would that be about?" And then they look at me, the literally least tattooed person ever, and they're like, "How? How did you get that? How did you get that?" That's so funny. I've never thought about Inc. versus Inc. And I am a very—I you don't know this about me—I am a heavily tattooed person. (laughs) (laughs) It's just funny that uh, that's what somebody might think. So (laughs) yeah, that's awesome. So or they'll I, say, or there'll be a follow-up question like, "Well, what do you write, basically?" Or, right. I might start using columnist a little bit more because writer is just like, and then it's just like. So sometimes when people ask me what I do, I'll just say whatever I want because I don't want to explain <laughs> right. what it means for me to be a writer because I don't want to get into all the semantics of what it means to be a writer because there are a lot of different types of writers. There are writers out there that are you know struggling to make themselves known if, or if you're, you know, trying to become a freelance writer or who write novels for a living. So it is pretty ambiguous. Yeah. And so by my friend, Jeff, who I, you, you may remember if you listened to a couple episodes, I interviewed Jeff and Aaron, the couple who are photographers in San Diego. He sent me a text message the other day and he said, um, so it's funny every time I'm reading the news app and a tech headline catches my eyes, nine out of 10 times it's one of your articles. And I'm not sure if the news app just knows I like your articles or if everyone likes them, but I feel like I know someone famous. And it was, and, and I said, well, not famous, but glad to hear it. And he said, it must be fun to finally get paid to just be a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, that's exactly right. It's honestly hard to believe sometimes that it's possible to get paid to nerd out on stuff and then write about it. And so I, I like when people ask, like, how did you start writing? For, I, I'm just candid about it. Like, 
I don't really know. <laughs> and someday someone will pinch me, wake me up and it'll be over. But until that time, it really is like, it is hard to believe that I get to sit down every day and get paid to do something that I just thoroughly enjoy a lot. I mean, it's a lot of work, but I really yeah, enjoy it. I never studied journalism or writing my, I mean, my undergrads in social work. I was a social worker for a long time. My master's is in public administration, which I do nothing with, but Curiously enough, in both of my study programs, uh, there were very few tests and lots and lots of writing. <laughs> right. So it was conducive for me, and I love writing. And I always kind of went back to like, oh, someday I'd really love to be a writer, but how do you get started? And you, I could say the same thing, pinch me. I don't even know how. You just have to, you can build it for yourselves. And we're not going to go back to the last episode where we talked about that more in depth, but um, I'm always like so proud to say that I'm a writer because it was a, you know, a long time dream for me. Right. And I would agree. It's, it's, I've always enjoyed it. And for, for someone who is someone like me, and this was true when I was a staff writer and an editor where you work, that it was very enjoyable to get to write about something that was my life experience, you know, writing about sales or marketing or the different types of things. And, but I will say that even more so now, it is it is very fun. Like I would be lying if I said it wasn't fun to get to write about all of these things that are just interesting to me anyway. Technology has always been interesting to me. And so the kids joke that every time the UPS person comes like, Dad, what is what are you reviewing now? <laughs> what is this? Th what is arrived now? And as I look like I'm looking at my desk and there are I still have like devices I that I've been reviewing or in writing about. And there are a lot of people who are, who are either struggling to find an opportunity or who are working a job that they don't love. And so I, I do have to remind myself on a regular basis, how fortunate and that I get to do it from home. Like it was very easy to transition to working from home because this is just where I've worked. Right. <laughs> right? Wouldn't it be so weird to go back to an office? It would be very weird to go back to an office. Not only that, well, I can say this now because I'm no longer your boss and haven't been for a while, but it was very weird for me to have a boss. That was a very strange thing for me to work for a company, even though when we worked for that company, we were all remote, right? Like the editorial team was almost entirely remote and, and I was remote and I liked my boss. So if she's listening, <laughs> I like her just fine. But that's not that's not the point. It was very it was just a very different mind shift and a very different mentality to to so I I do very much like not having rather in in the edit in the editorial space, I do feel like at least from my experiences I've had so far, that editors slash bosses are a lot different than traditional sure. bosses. Um, like editors are more collaborative rather than like I've had bosses in different fields where it's like they only get in touch with me when they need something from right. me or they need some kind of information but uh, I feel like working I instead of saying my boss I'll say that sometimes but I'll say my editor you know when I were talking rather than my boss and I were talking that's probably a good thing no and I think you're absolutely right and I obviously at both of the publications I write for have an editor and that person is responsible ultimately for the things I publish. But because I'm not a staff writer there, if I wake up in the morning and there's literally nothing interesting for me, no one says, Hey, you have to go write this buyer's guide or, Hey, this is right. the thing on your runway this week or, Hey, do this thing. It's, it's like, 
I'm good. Thanks. I'll wait until something interesting happens because when there's something interesting that happens, I can write that piece very quickly as opposed to slogging over. And I can, I remember those days of slogging over pieces because this is what you have to write. No comment. (laughs) Again, again, it's not that uh, it's not that the, it's just a different type of a working arrangement. And I only say it not to pick on either form, but to just acknowledge publicly, like I recognize that this is, it's a very fortunate opportunity and even like the opportunity that you have, even though you may have a little bit less control over it, you still like you get paid to write about your expertise. So I have, um, I have a lot more autonomy now than I used to just because I've been there longer and our hierarchy is flatter than it used to be. Um, but uh, my job has also changed in some ways where I like, I don't just write now too. Right. It's like working on some, you know, spreadsheets galore. And I said to myself, I thought I was a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's all about making, you know, that's, that's the trade off when you want to work, uh, decide to work for an organization rather than be a freelance writer for yourself. You have to play by the rules a little bit more and that's okay. Right. Um, but you also have the trade off of, you know, getting benefit, you know, having company provided benefits and 401ks and all those things. And we could go back, referencing back to the, you know, the legislation in California. Now people, you know, it's important, I think, for people to have the right to choose what kind of career lifestyle that they want to have. Yeah. And I think that probably the important thing for people to think about is like, which, which kind of life do you actually want to have? Because there are some people I think it would be fair to say that my wife fits into this category who she works extremely hard and she's very good at what she does. But when she comes home, she'll tell me about her day and we'll debrief it. But then it's over with. Like she doesn't have to worry about what's going on at work because she all she has to do is go back whenever her next day is that she's scheduled. Right. Whereas for me, I couldn't stand that. I couldn't stand showing up and just not having control over what's happening. But at the same time, I don't get paid if I don't write something, right? Right. <laughs> right. You're in control of right. your income, and essentially. Right. So, but the point is, there are trade-offs, there are benefits, there are risks for any of those things, and you just have to figure out like which of these actually matches the type of lifestyle that I want to have. Because for some people, the idea of being a freelance writer or even a staff writer sounds amazing, until you understand that there are you're giving up other things, right? You have, you have to create something every time you sit down as opposed to simply just do this thing. It's sometimes it's easier to just do this thing and punch a clock. Right there. Yeah. I've, I've lived both of those lifestyles and it's being a pure freelance writer is a lot more like managing your own business. It's not just, Oh, you know, writing whenever I feel like it, you have to manage your cash flow because nothing is, um, nothing is guaranteed. You have to manage taxes. And, I never, I was thinking about it today when we were talking about getting a new computer and I was like, yeah, also a good tax write-up since I work only at home. And I'm like, man, I miss miss those days in my 20s when I was thinking about how much I would, I was going to get back versus how much I'd have to pay. (laughs) Yes. It's a totally different story. If you're a freelancer, you're, I mean, you're, you're going to owe because your, your income is not taxed. And we could go, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but. All right. Well, that's probably a fairly good place for us to um, 
wrap it up for today. Thank you for everyone who's been listening and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks everyone.